calling forth the children for children's liturgy of the word this morning kind of reminds me when I was their age. And part of growing up is learning at least what we called them back then, heroes. People that I would look up to. Sometimes they were sports heroes. Sometimes they were famous people. Sometimes they were my teachers or maybe people in the small communities that I would live in. And so there were all types of people. Sometimes my parents would talk in the different uh, dinner table. They'd talk politics, life, neighbors, cousins. And I learned to like the same people that they did. And I thought, well, they must be good people. But going to school, we would gather around and talk. But sometimes my heroes made mistakes. Sometimes word got out that Maybe they weren't as nice as I thought, or people are talking about some of their sinful behavior. I didn't know how to handle that as a kid. My first thought was when my friend said, we heard about your hero, and I said, I never said I liked him. That's your thought. So sometimes I would deny that I knew him. Sometimes I would say, I don't believe those reports. That's not who he is because I've always liked him a lot. Other people, I would just kind of let go and say, well... You know, that's the way they are, and sometimes I had to learn over time how to say that happens. And sometimes, I guess as a little kid, I would forgive them. That's why it's interesting that Jesus is asked, how often must we forgive? And he gives that answer 70 times, seven times. In other words, every time, because In Matthew's gospel, Jesus and all the gospels are writing to a community, and Jesus understands people make mistakes. He understands that even good people fall short and make mistakes. And communities can become paralyzed, dead, and not functioning well when forgiveness isn't central. Just had a parishioner approach me before Mass and said, you know, Father, I've kind of noticed for the past whole year, you've all been talking about forgiveness. Is that planned? I said, no, there are the readings, but I guess it must be pretty important to Jesus Because I think that's central, that every one of us deals with how do we forgive or how do we ask forgiveness. Jesus tells the parable that talks about the mercy of God through a king that is owed so much money. In fact, the sum is more than all the money in the world, really. And so this servant really begs for mercy, grovels, and says, can you put me on a credit card uh, payment plan? Because I'll pay it off one day. The king knows that's never going to happen. And yet somehow the listeners are hearing of this king who would throw people in jail for that. Mercy. Forgiveness. And that servant is let go. What is interesting then is when someone owes him a mere fraction, the gospel goes, the servants became disturbed. Something wasn't right. When they threw him into prison, Because the servant who was forgiven everything wouldn't forgive another person. And they knew something wasn't right with that. Because he thought because it was special favoritism. But it was really mercy, compassionate. Sometimes that blow people away and say, why would a king owed so much? Forgive everything. And I think Jesus understands that even good people make mistakes. So how do we forgive? How do we learn how to do that? And what can motivate us 
And are there any examples out there that we can learn from? I shared with you a video, ah, it was quite a while back. Some of you are going to remember it and go, oh yeah, you showed that before. Others haven't seen this video I'm going to show you before. But it's a powerful story of forgiveness. Just like the gospel readings we hear over and over again, many for many years, we can learn a different angle and different things. Let's take a look at this video on the power of forgiveness. We end this week with a lesson in forgiveness from Steve Hartman on the road. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You're saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did, I, I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer, Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Yeah, basically, the start of that day, I was gonna make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct, yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamel was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says, that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. I'll grab this, we'll set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, On the Road in Benton Harbor, Michigan. And Four years of someone's life put in harm and being in prison and being totally innocent and say, I'm going to do harm to the person who caused this. 
And yet somehow all it took was the words, I'm sorry. That's all I needed to hear. And you know, Jamel gets it. That forgiveness isn't just for us personally or the person that's receiving our forgiveness. It's also for the world to see. If we're going to explain the mercy of God, the unconditional forgiveness of God, a God of fresh starts all the time, if we're not living it, then we're missing the point. And this isn't an easy message. A woman approached me after Mass at 8.30 and said, my son was sent to prison by a policeman who falsified records. And she says, I'm not there yet to forgive. And I knew that was going to happen today. Because this is not easy. But yet, that's where we need to go. That's what Jesus is asking us. Three things that we really need to reflect on in forgiveness. One, we have to give some degree of dignity to the person who's offended us. We have to remind ourselves that the divine still lives in the person. And that the goodness is not all gone. That we've got to work towards that, to look for that. And that dignity is an important point where we don't demonize someone totally. But we try to know that God still dwells within them. The second thing is for us to dig in into areas where God is deeply embedded. Areas where you and I are not easily offended. That God dwells within us. God's goodness and the ability to forgive is deep within ourselves, but we've got to look within deep ourselves and say, where is that? How do we tap into that? And we can't do it alone. But the goodness of God already in each one of you, because you were born that way, can help you. And the third thing is to know that God is a God of compassion and mercy. And that's what we proclaim by our lives. Remember that forgiveness and reconciliation can be two different things. Be careful when people are hurting. And whether it's good intention or not good intention, they may ask you to say, you should forgive me and stay in a relationship. Maybe that relationship is unhealthy. Maybe it's not proper. Maybe it's violent or verbally abusive. God's not asking you to stay in those things. You can forgive someone. But that doesn't mean you have to live with them. But through prayer, through discernment, and hopefully even mental health support to come to a decision whether you stay or not. I always hear people trying to manipulate, saying, Father Eric preached that you have to forgive me, so you have to stay in this relationship because that's all I'm worried about. And that can be very, very difficult and confusing. Just to be sure that you discern and pray about that, that forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation, but forgiveness means I let that go and I don't live in the hell that I create for myself. So I think of my days as a young boy, devastated that my heroes were not perfect, that they made mistakes, that my friends made fun of me and them for liking them. And I didn't know how to respond. I don't know them. Oh, I don't like them anymore. Or, well, I guess I've got to learn how to deal with it. It's hard for children. But sometimes it's harder for adults. Because we know too much. 
We know too much, but yet Jamel gets it. I don't do it just for me. I do it for us. I do it for everyone to be an example of forgiveness. 